It is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. And for the next hour, we have got nothing but NFL and college football talk. All of that for you now. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell. It is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. You can check out this show as always on the iHeartRadio app. We appreciate you hanging out with us here as we take you through the next hour. NFL, college football talk, all sorts of conversation here on Fox Sports Radio. Hoping to connect with R.J. Bell coming up here uh, momentarily. Just having some technical issues, but we will get that taken care of. And the voice of Vegas will be here with you because there are plenty of things to discuss. We've got a quarterback change in Philadelphia. We've got ourselves Tuesday night football in a crazy 2020 season. And we've got ourselves double barrel action on Monday night football which is where we will start. And we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. The Bills take care of business last night. They go on the road technically against the uh, Arizona slash San Francisco 49ers, and the Bills get the job done 34-24 is the final. And so it just brings up a conversation that needs to be had. And it's a conversation that actually affects multiple quarterback draft classes. And it goes like this. Josh Allen was fantastic. He was the best player on the field last night. Uh, He was unbelievable. And there's been times where Josh Allen has done this Josh Allen thing where you don't know whether or not he's going to throw an 85-yard touchdown or an 85-yard pick six. You have no idea what's going to happen. It's it's one or the other. Last night was the good Josh Allen that we got on Monday Night Football in primetime. And it's just funny – how we see the development of this quarterback and the development of Josh Allen, and then you go in comparison to that other quarterback draft class. But here's where it ties into two draft classes. The 2018 quarterback draft class was thought to be one of the great classes to come out. Because if you remember, you go back to 2018, and the conversation was Josh Rosen, NFL prototype, played in that type of an offense, most league-ready quarterback coming out of the draft. You go Sam Darnold, absolute stud, nothing but a gamer, played at USC, people raved about him. They loved him. Sam Darnold was going to be the guy. Baker Mayfield, I do a show with Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn told me maybe the most accurate quarterback he's seen at the college football level. He was throwing dimes. He was playing his ass off. Baker Mayfield was phenomenal in Oklahoma and had a wonderful career there with the Sooners. And then you get to Josh Allen, sort of an unknown out of Wyoming, you heard rumblings about him maybe coming out the year before, but then he came back for that late last season, and he wasn't as good as he was, and he played in a big-time game against a, a bigger opponent, and he didn't play all that well. And then you had Lamar Jackson, who was phenomenal, won a Heisman, and could do everything. They just weren't sure how he was going to be utilized. And so here we are, a couple of years removed, 
and I ask you the question, who's the best quarterback of that draft class? It's Josh Allen. The unknown, the guy out of a small school, we don't really get to see him play much. It's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And I don't think it's necessarily the fact that Josh Allen is just outright a better player than any of those guys, but I think the system and the setup in Buffalo has been so conducive to his success that he's been fantastic, and he's getting better. You see Carson Wentz, who we're going to get into, who's now a backup in Philadelphia after today's news. Carson Wentz has regressed. Josh Allen's getting better. Lamar Jackson has taken a step back. Josh Allen has gotten better. Baker Mayfield, we're not quite sure about Baker Mayfield. Josh Allen continues to ascend. And then you've got Sam Darnold and the disaster with the New York Jets. And then you've also got Josh Rosen, who's never going to get an opportunity in the NFL, which is a damn shame. But all of this points to if you don't have the surrounding pieces, you're not going to be successful. Bottom line, it was one of my favorite pure comedy. This was comedy a couple of years ago. The Cleveland Browns were getting embarrassed because Carson Wentz was having a good season. Remember that conversation? People were making fun of the Browns because they were the easy target. Oh, the Cleveland Browns, what do you know? Uh, Nobody in that organization had a first-round grade on Carson Wentz. What idiots. You wonder why you're the Browns. And my whole point at that time was take Carson Wentz and put him on that Browns roster. How many more wins do you actually have? What are we talking about? One win? Two wins? No, no, no. Franchise quarterback. Okay. Well, this Eagles roster is even better than that Browns roster. And what do we got? A backup quarterback that you took number two overall in the draft. It's all about what you have around you. So when you see Josh Allen playing the way that he is, when you see Josh Allen go out on national television and put up the kind of numbers that he's put up and put on that performance for everybody to watch, that goes to show you that he's been developed the right way. Whatever they're doing in Buffalo, Sean McDermott doesn't get enough credit for being a hell of a coach. The Buffalo Bills, who hadn't made a playoff appearance since the Music City Miracle, which, by the way, we still think that was a backwards pass. Come on. That was an illegal pass. But never mind that. The Bills had never made a postseason appearance since that day. Sean McDermott has had him there two and three years. At some point, he's got to be starting to have conversations, or we got to start to have those conversations about Sean McDermott as one of the top coaches in the NFL. Because what he's done with Josh Allen, the development of that franchise, that organization, the Stephon Diggs trade, everybody crushed him. Yo, you gave up way too much. You gave up way too much. And then they turned that into, let's make fun of Bill O'Brien because he didn't get enough for DeAndre Hopkins. Stephon Diggs has fit right in. No, no, well, you know, we're not quite sure about Kemp. No, 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 has fit right in. He's been fantastic. So credit to the Bills and credit to the Bills brass for the development of Josh Allen because as it stands right now, he's the best quarterback amongst that draft class. And that draft class, which, by the way, people forget about this. Remember the draft class before 2017? All right, this was the 2017 draft. And what was the conversation And if you think back, this is exactly what the discussion was. The conversation was, this is not the year that you want to be drafting a quarterback. You're a year too early. Because everyone looked at, a year ahead of time, the same group. Sam Darnold, 
Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, this guy Josh Allen. Everybody said, no, 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 whatever you do, this is not the year that you want to take a quarterback in this class. You want to wait until next year. And then the uh, quarterbacks who rolled out of that first round are Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitch Trubisky. And listen, I know we can uh, batter Mitch Trubisky all we want. He did make a Pro Bowl. He did have one decent season. And I would argue Mitch Trubisky's been better than Sam Darnold, and he's been better than Josh Rosen. Those are facts. But the reason it worked the year before is because of the surrounding pieces within all those quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes got Andy Reid. Deshaun Watson, you could say whatever you want. Deshaun Watson landed himself an offensive-minded head coach, and that thing started to work, and it's gotten even better. So this just points to we can sit here and, and evaluate and, and do uh, take one guy here and put him over here and everything's going to work well and everything's going to be fine. It's not the case. These guys need surrounding pieces. These guys need help. These guys need something around them or else what you're going to get is exactly what you got with the New York Jets and Sam Darnold or exactly what you're going to get with Josh Rosen. So fantastic job by the Buffalo Bills, and I have no idea how the hell the Buffalo Bills were getting points in that game. What the hell was that? The Buffalo Bills were getting points in that game, and it wasn't even a legitimate home game for the San Francisco 49ers. And you don't think the Bills, who were in that building a few weeks ago during the Hale-Murray, you don't think they wanted to right some wrongs there? And I know it's a little bit sophomoric of a, of a betting analyst here, but, but that's exactly why I like the Bills. That team should have won that game against Arizona. The Bills would be on a lengthy win streak right now. Arizona would be on a lengthy losing streak right now. But the Bills got caught in a Hale-Murray. It was a fluke play. And because of that, I thought the Bills were going to come in. I thought they were going to be pissed off. And I thought they were going to make some adjustments. And I thought they were going to put up a hell of a performance. And that's exactly what they did. So if you wanted to see Buffalo on primetime and you wanted to see what all the buzz was about with Josh Allen and that howitzer for an arm, you got it. Kudos to the Bills. And congratulations to anybody who didn't bet the 49ers minus two with Nick Mullins in a de facto road game slash home game. Uh, Jonas Knox in for RJ Bell, hoping to catch up with RJ here momentarily. This is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, one team is getting buried in the NFL. They're getting crushed today in the NFL. I'm going to tell you why that's actually a good thing that it happened to them the way that it did. Find out who we're talking about next here, straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox uh, in for R.J. Bell. R.J. should be uh, getting in here shortly. Uh, we are having a little bit of uh, an issue, technical issue here, but hoping to get that figured out. And we'll be hearing from the voice of Vegas uh, here coming up in just a couple of moments from now here on FSR. By the way, I am hearing reports that it is 71 degrees on the Strip. I have no idea, uh, but that is just something. That, that's my best guess. I'm going to go with 71 degrees. It feels right, so that's what we're going to go with here, uh, the, uh, the weather on the Strip. 
trip. Uh, coming up here momentarily, we are going to get into a team in the NFL that's getting buried today, but it's not as bad as you think it is. So that'll be coming up here in just a couple of minutes from now on Fox Sports Radio. But we do want to remind you, in celebration of Fox Sports Radio's 20th anniversary, we are naming the top 20 athletes of the past 20 years from 2000 all the way through 2020. So far, we've revealed numbers 11 through 20. Sidney Crosby was 20th. Barry Bonds came in at 19th. Race car driver Jimmy Johnson finished 18th. 17th was Mariano Rivera, followed by Steph Curry, who took home 16th. 15th went to Shaquille O'Neal. Simone Biles is the first female athlete on the list at 14th. Tim Duncan was 13th. 12th went to Cristiano Ronaldo, who, by the way, big win for Juventus uh, earlier today in a big matchup with Barcelona. Then you had uh, Peyton Manning come in at 11th. So that is your top list so far. 11 through 20 uh, revealed so far here on Fox Sports Radio. Numbers 6 through 10 of the top athletes of the century will be revealed tonight on The Odd Couple with Chris Broussard and Rob Parker at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. That's tonight at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific on The Odd Couple right here on Fox Sports Radio to find out the next five on the list. Uh, Jonas Knox uh, straight out of Vegas here on FSR. So uh, there are victory laps being taken right now. Uh, victory laps. I mentioned Rob Parker. Uh, he's one of those guys taking a victory lap. Never an opportunity for Rob Parker to either uh, sell something on GetRob.com or for Rob Parker to uh, show up at a Ross Dress for Less or for Rob Parker to let you know when he got something right. And he's feeling it because he called the Pittsburgh Steelers the most overrated 11-0 team of all time. My follow-up would have been, who's the second most overrated? but I didn't get an opportunity to. But there's a lot of people who looked at the Pittsburgh Steelers as frauds, and I totally disagree. In a year in which you've had to deal with all that you've had to deal with, which is no real offseason, no preseason, somewhat of a training camp that involved a bunch of testing, um, a bunch of cancellations, bye week moved, three games in 14 days. With all of that being said, the Steelers have dealt with a lot, yet RJ, the voice of Vegas, and the Pittsburgh Steeler fan of record on this show, when they fall to the Washington football team 23-17, it felt like a lot of people were taking their victory laps. Well... <laughs> If you predict it's going to rain one day, you're going to be right. I mean, it's hard to imagine the way the Steelers losing is considered versus Kansas City. Meaning when Kansas City plays a tough game, let's say Denver this week, the sense was, oh, look, they can play a bad game and still win, just barely win. Right. But when Pittsburgh does that against the Cowboys, it's like, see, there's the flaws. And I think it goes to show, once you believe something about a team, you're going to reverse engineer whatever happens to fit the narrative. Yeah. And I, and I think we've seen that with the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. And I also think there's the spot that they were put in first, you know, and this is what they were upset about. And the fact that you had players talking about it and, and being bothered by the number of games they had to play in a short amount of time, the bye week being moved, all of this. Now they've got to turn back around and play Buffalo. They haven't been handed the, the easiest stretch of games in the world. And the fact that they were even 11 and 0, I think is impressive. And I also, I don't think this loss 
is as bad as so many people make it out to be in the sense that it wasn't an AFC opponent. So they've still got the tiebreaker if they went out against Kansas City because it goes by conference record. Kansas City's loss was to the Raiders, an AFC opponent. So the, so the Steelers still have an opportunity to take home that one spot. This week's game against Buffalo is going to be massive. No doubt. And it's the toughest one of Pittsburgh's games. Yeah. But you make a very good point. Pittsburgh would have had a margin of error if they had won this game. But in truth, they could have won this game, lost an AFC game, yep. and then based upon the other tiebreakers, they could have literally only had the one loss and still not gotten the number one seed. Yeah. So they were the favorite to be the number one seed. Now they're not. So Kansas City is the favorite. I'm not sure it's justified. I mean, what's the toughest game both teams have? Pittsburgh has Buffalo at Buffalo. There's a line on that, baby, right? Pittsburgh is a two-point underdog. Now, what do you think Kansas City's going to be when they play at New Orleans, especially if Drew Brees is back? Oh, geez. Um, wow, that's a – I would say pick them. That's – you know, I would guess it's in that range. Yeah. And, and again, is it Brees' first game back? Um, how did he play the game if he did play earlier? I think there's questions. But I think a healthy Saints team – is about Pickham against the Kansas City team. Pittsburgh is, uh, you know, they were, if you actually look at the look-ahead line, which was a week earlier, so before Pittsburgh lost to Washington, Pittsburgh was favored by two and a half at Buffalo. Now they're two-point underdogs. I don't see anything about that Washington game that would make you really reevaluate Pittsburgh all that much. Because circum- the circumstances were so difficult. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not sure I've seen a more difficult circumstance for any team. Yeah, and we were talking about it. Just the fact that Washington, with you know all, all that they've dealt with, and Alex Smith, who's still, you know, as well as he's starting to play and he's starting to look better and better, he's not close to where he was before the injury. I mean, it's it's not even comparable. But the fact that it was only a six-point line in, in places. It just felt like this shouldn't be that much of a shock based on what Pittsburgh's had to go through schedule-wise the past several uh, the past couple of weeks. And we can quantify what effect this schedule had on Pittsburgh in the following way. If you look at what the line was in the Washington-Pittsburgh game before the Ravens game was postponed and postponed and postponed – when it was going to be played on Thanksgiving, Pittsburgh was a 10.5-point favorite over Washington. 10.5. At kickoff yesterday, Pittsburgh was a 5, 5.5-point favorite. Now, how much of that was the, the delay after delay and Pittsburgh then having to wait seemingly about two weeks to play Baltimore and then have to turn around on a super short rest to play another team that was sitting back waiting for them since Thanksgiving? I mean, it's it's. Think about it. It was yeah. the worst possible, considering that Pittsburgh hasn't had a bye yet. Yeah. Right. Because you can say, oh, that week in between the Tennessee. No, they they were practicing for Tennessee all the way up to the game got canceled. They have not had a bye. We haven't seen an NFL team in the modern era be this late in the year without a bye. That combined with the delays and the reschedulings. Now. In the world of COVID, is that a big tragedy? No. 
But if we're assessing the meaning of the game, Pittsburgh should get the loss, no doubt. But if we're assessing what it means, I think it means a lot less than people think. And I'll tell you this, before the fatigue issue got in, how if it would have been a halftime game, now it's easy to say that. Yeah. But Pittsburgh was in complete control of that game early at halftime. And again, if, if the fatigue and the accumulated effect of all this was going to get him, it was going to get him in the second half. And coincidentally, that's where it got him. Yeah, and that's what I was actually watching for. Because it's, you know, it's like you talk about it in boxing, you know, body blows. You know, you go to the body early, eventually you start to wear guys down. I was wanting to see what Pittsburgh was going to look like later in that game. And Washington kept pounding the football. And the interception, the final interception on Ben Roethlisberger, kind of a fluky one, bounced up in the air. Washington picked it off. I just, this this just goes back to people wanting to be naysayers against an 11-0 football team. Now this gives them their opportunity. But but I still think Pittsburgh's in a, in a really good spot. And I think what they've done so far this season has been really, really impressive. No doubt. And you can make the following case. The one team, and we'll call the modern era this century, the one team in the 2000s that was undefeated, and really the only team undefeated in the regular season since the 72 Dolphins, were the Patriots. Yeah. The Patriots, that was, I think, unequivocally their best team. And they lost in the Super Bowl against yeah. the Giants. Now, a lot of Patriots talk about the pressure and the stress of trying to be 16-0 and that it was an accumulated effect that fatigued them. You could make the case, especially if Pittsburgh retains the number one seed, and they have a real chance at that. Right now, the Chiefs are minus 170, Pittsburgh's plus 130. You know, it's in that range of, yeah, probably 60-40 KC. If Pittsburgh retains it, and remember, it's not just home field advantage, which is not as big without the fans, but also the one buy. There's one buy only now with the new playoff system. Hey, you got to win three games to win the Super Bowl is a lot better than having to win four. No doubt about it, especially with Pittsburgh that hasn't had a buy. Yeah. Imagine that scenario. That'd be a catastrophe if they had to play literally the seven or 16 games and then go into a playoff game the next week. That'd be very difficult. So Pittsburgh needs this buy. But it's in their power, and I think if they can retain it and keep the number one seed, losing this game will help them. And let's quickly just look at the schedule. Here comes Pittsburgh Bills, Cincy, maybe the worst team in football right now with the quarterback situation, Colts at home, Browns on the road. The funny thing is the Browns might be locked in their playoff spot. You don't know. And obviously that's a good matchup for Pittsburgh. So this Bills game is the toughest game, no doubt, in that list. If you look at KC, Dolphins, it's not an easy one. At the Saints, Atlanta, Chargers. Chargers play them tough earlier in the year. I personally look at this schedule. I'd rather have the Pittsburgh schedule. I I do think Kansas City's a little bit better than them. So I see them being a slight favorite. But, I mean, let me ask you, Jonas, if I said at Bills, at Cincy, Home for the Colts at Browns compared to at Dolphins at Saints, the one tough one, home against Atlanta Chargers. What's that? What, what's the relative strength feel like to you? I would I would prefer Pittsburgh's schedule, and you, and you bring up a good point on the Browns, who could be locked into that playoff spot because this year it feels like maybe more so than other years. If you know you don't have a shot at one of those bye weeks late in the season. 
why why are you even going to put a put a starter in in week 17? I mean, why, why that that in in essence is your de facto second bye week as you as you make a grind towards towards a potential Super Bowl run. And I wonder if the Browns are going to find themselves in that spot to where it's not going to hurt them either way. And maybe Cleveland just says, you know what, we're going to rest some guys here and we're going to get ready for the playoffs next weekend, as opposed to gunning it, knowing that that there's an opportunity to try mm. and get a bye. So yeah, especially I, especially considering the fact that the Browns and Mayfield do not match up well against the Steelers, Browns offense against Steelers D. And do you really want Mayfield to get beat up and maybe lose some confidence? And don't forget, if Pittsburgh's in a situation where if they win in Week 17, they have the number one seed, it's very possible the Browns are going to be in a slot that they wouldn't mind losing because though they would drop maybe potentially in the rankings, the seedings, Maybe it matches up in a way that they like better because Kansas City, Pittsburgh. If Kate, you know, if you're the Browns, now think about this: if you kind of don't try super hard, not tank, but rather you don't start Mayfield, you don't start some key people, which is a valid choice. It's like a pseudo buy, like you mentioned. They can almost dictate if Pittsburgh gets the number one seed or not which means they could dictate who they play in round two. Yeah. Would they rather play Kansas City, the Browns, or Pittsburgh? And maybe there's going to be a scenario that losing to Pittsburgh helps them because it gives the Browns a matchup, uh, a series of games that they'd rather have. We know all the time when the number one seed isn't the best team, teams will look to not advance up because they don't want to play that. Like in the NBA, you don't want to play that number one seed if they're so much better in the second round, you'd rather wait and play them in the third round. Again, we're all speculating here, but there's a lot of complexity, I think, to the motivation of these teams. And the point you made, Jonas, finally about creating their own buy, I think I haven't really heard that said. You're making a great point, but I am in a way blaming you. Six <laughs> months ago, we were debating this whole only one buy now, are you have you reconsidered the, the travesty of that? Oh, well, I mean, you know, it's a new audience. So the people that heard the first take that was wrong, you know, they don't know anything about that. So I, just, <laughs> well, I, I don't just know if it was wrong, but <laughs> my rationale was that it would kind of clump two through seven together yeah. like it doesn't really matter. And it kind of feels like it's doing that. And I also think that the value this year in the playoffs, it I don't think anybody in the NFL is worried about going on the road because of the fans with no fans it's not the same atmosphere i don't think any i think the value is in that bye week and since there's one of them and and if you were to just rank who in the nfl needs that bye week the yep. most it pit it's pittsburgh and it's not even close so for them that really feels like what could be the determining factor that extra rest with an older quarterback being able to to, to sort of rest their bodies as they get ready for a playoff run i don't think anybody cares about going on the road if you don't have that bye week to me that feels like pittsburgh's real chance to try and make a legitimate super bowl run if they get that bye i think that's valid and i think a, a reason the road hasn't been as much of a negative as we even thought entering the year even though we knew the fan situation was the ability for the veteran quarterbacks to at the line of scrimmage be able to call things out in a way that it, it, it it's one thing to say Oh, the crowd's not going wild. You, you know, you can't. You know, it's not like you can't hear anymore because you can hear. But you can literally be at the line and like call. It's almost like everyone's got headsets on. And with a with an Aaron Rodgers, with a Big Ben, 
it's almost like the removal of the fans have given an advantage to the road team, whereas we thought the home team's advantage would be dissipated, where it would be diminished, but it got diminished so much, it became an advantage for that road team. And I think that's one of the reasons scoring is up. Typically, even if you have normal fans, normal fans, one of the teams can shout out instructions and stuff, but even they struggle if there's normal crowd noise, right? Remember the quarterback for the home team that goes up and puts his hands down, like, you know, come on, don't get so loud. But even just normal people rustling in the stadium is loud enough when you got 60,000. You remove all that, both quarterbacks can pretty much shout what they want. And I think it's, and you've heard it on these broadcasts, yeah. Aaron, you know. Just as a fan, does it seem like that's a big factor? Because I, I think it is. Yeah, and, and there is, as a defense, if you're doing similar calls or you've been watching film and you've seen uh, quarterbacks make similar calls, now all of a sudden you're starting to get keyed off to what it is that they're doing and you can hear those conversations a little bit. I also was wondering this, and this would take some, some research and looking into, but in comparison to maybe the last five, six years, what is the – the road record of teams in the NFL? Because I know you guys have talked about that it's not the same home field advantage to the to the point spread because you've always pointed out New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle, they're worth more at home than, than just about every other team in the NFL, correct? Yeah, so up to this year, if you would have said, who's got the best home field? The list would have been New Orleans, and New Orleans is often dictated by how much they're winning. In the years they weren't winning, they had a couple 79 years, the crowd noise drops, and that big advantage really drops. Yeah. Then, then you've got Seattle, which was right up there as the best, and Green Bay. Those would have been the top tier, New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay. Second tier would have been Minnesota, um, Atlanta when they were playing well, and you might think, oh, the Patriots. Well, not really, because if you think about what home field is, it's the difference between how you play at home and how you play on the road. The Patriots were the best road team for 20 years. So, yeah, they played really well at home, but it wasn't that much of a difference compared to other teams relative to um, on the road. Oh, by the way, you look at a team like the Saints, which you would think, oh, without a strong home field that they typically have, it's a big disadvantage. Maybe... But they're like 17-3 and three the last 20 on the road. It's crazy how well the Saints have been playing on the road. And I'd say one last thing. We're down to the fact now that we think the home field's about one point. And I never thought it would be wow. that low, even without the fans. But I think what's happening is that advantage of the offense, of the road team, being able to have an advantage even, not a road disadvantage, but an advantage being there at the line of scrimmage, it's kind of taken away everything except the travel. And the travel's still there, but in the NFL these days with the charter jets, and it really is borderline meaningless. And that doesn't feel right to me after 30 years of handicapping. But boy, if you just bet all the road teams against the spread, you would have done a lot better than batting all the home teams. And so when Seattle and Green Bay and New Orleans are, it's about a four-point advantage at home yes. to the line, right? So are Typically, all those, not this are, year. So are all those teams also down to one? Yes. The only situation, wow. the only situation in which there is a greater home field advantage than any place else is we think Green Bay. And the reason is a lot of the Green Bay home field advantage was the, the, the grass. Right. <laughs> and they had a slick grass. It was just an, a surface unlike any in the NFL. 
And if you're not familiar with it, which how can you be, even if you're like the Bears or something, you play there once a year, you're just not going to be as familiar. And thus, it's not about the crowd. It's about the venue. And the other one, we, we speculate Denver because the altitude. So yeah. if there's anything physically about the location, it still persists. If it's about the crowd noise, obviously it doesn't. I'm thinking there might be a mention of Michigan, <laughs> and I think I have an opinion on this one. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. Remember at the end of Godfather 1? Well, it wasn't the end, but when Tom Hagen went to talk to Kay, and Kay said something, senators and presidents don't get people killed. And Michael said, who's being naive now, Kay? <laughs> well, we're going to look at this Michigan situation. 28-point underdogs. Oh, my mom says we can't play. We'll talk about that, plus a preview of the Ravens game tonight. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J. All right, hold on, Jonas. I got some inside (laughs) info here. Okay, very good. Bernie Fratto, host of the nighttime show, straight out of Vegas, Saturday nights, 11 o'clock Pacific. It's been multiple years he's been holding that spot down. And he comes running in. And he starts showing me tweets. He's, this guy grew up in he, – he's from Detroit. He's as connected back in that Michigan area as you can get. Now, I want you to listen to this. All right. First of all, let's say the following. Allegedly. Just put allegedly over everything I say here. Just You know in the, when you use software you didn't buy, but you, it's a trial, and then it will have something like trial – Trial, like every seven seconds, so you can't use. Just imagine it saying allegedly. Alle- <laughs> All right, so here it is. <laughs> Explain to me the following: If there's ever a time that Michigan wouldn't want to play this game, Jonas, does it feel? And when I say this game, the Michigan Ohio State game, which is played every year since 1898. Now think about that a second. 1898. WW1, no problem. Great Depression, we'll play. WW2, no problem. And now they can't play, except Michigan practiced on a, as a football team yesterday, and they practiced today. So they literally are practicing or practice today, Jonas, and somehow, some way, they can't play a game this Saturday. And oh, by the way, Fox Sports Radio News quoting different authorities. Oh, 45 case. No, at least as far as Larry Ledge, who, or Lage, 
He's on Twitter. He is the Associated Press reporter. The Associated Press reporter for the Michigan area. The AP. You don't get better than that. He says Michigan has 16 cases. So where's the 40-some coming from? And how are they practicing today, but they know they're not going to play on Saturday? Jonas, I'll let you respond. Yeah, I listen. I, I don't know if it's the they're not counting contract or uh, contact tracing and and well whatnot. because that's not a case, right? Yeah. So that and that was sort of the other element of this. There was a, a bunch of guys that came in close contact, and so out of precaution, which is what the Big Ten has been doing all year. This is why they're taking this approach. I'll say this: if they just don't want to play this game because they're going to get pistol whipped by Ohio State and this is their way out. It's the worst look during the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan. I think it's awful. I mean, listen, I'm not saying there's not 16 cases. I'm not saying that the 16 is nothing or meaningless, right? But there's two possibilities, valid reasons not to play a game, it seems to me. Number one is if your team is so dilapidated, it's, it's so broken down from absences that you can't play competitively, and you're worried. Because people made the case that Denver, that putting that you know, practice squad wide receiver at quarterback was endangering him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can see that, right? I mean, we can debate it, but we could see it. Yeah. And maybe he throws a couple duck passes and it, someone gets smacked in the back. I mean, I get all that. Yeah. And we we got to debate that because football is a dangerous game, but it's more dangerous if you have a quarterback that's not a quarterback. Okay, NFL said, fine, go ahead. There's money at stake, whatever. But if you're practicing on Monday and Tuesday, it f- doesn't feel like that they couldn't field a team. Right? So... Uh, I don't know. Now, if the other thing was, well, we're afraid that we're going to spread it more, then I, I say, okay, good, valid point. Except how are you practicing then? If you're, you're not quarantined if you're practicing. Yeah. So to me, the only valid reason would be they're, they're so dilapidated and, and so broken down that there's no one left to play. And it strikes me, even with 45, that's not the case. Meaning, even with the contact tracing, if they can't play. But again, come game time Saturday, in theory, some of them are going to be released from the multiple days of, of negatives that they would need. Right or wrong? Yeah, and I just I look at this, and if if this is Harbaugh, and and the other element of this is if he's trying to find a way to keep Ohio State out of the Big Ten championship game, thus possibly keeping them out of the college football playoff. Then again, a pretty bad look on Jim Harbaugh if that's the case. And. Last thing about Harbaugh. He smells. I mean, I've been telling you this, and I've been telling you, and if you think that if Michigan playing this game would get them in the call, here's the last question to ask yourself. By the way, quickly, Ravens are favored by nine right now over Dallas. This is a borderline must-win game for them. I don't like either side. I like the Cowboys a little bit, but not enough to play it. Finally, though, Close your eyes unless you're driving and ask yourself the following question. If Michigan needed to play this game to have a chance to be in the college football playoffs themselves, would Michigan have canceled on Tuesday? I don't think so. 
He smells. And that's all I got to say on it. <laughs> we are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show every single day on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 